Some of you are listening, you're like, unz, 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 unz. Yeah. you were, weren't you? I could feel it. I could feel it. I could hear it. Uh, I'm throwing a curveball today. Some of you might be here today. You might be going, I thought we were wrapping up the margin sermon series. And that was the full plan to wrap up margins and talk about a specific sermon that I uh, had been kind of working through. Um, but sometimes it doesn't happen a lot. Sometimes God says, no, I want you to talk about something else. And that became apparent to me on Monday. Um, it started to become apparent on Monday as we were kind of talking together as a staff team and as an eldership um, because there's been a lot of amazing things have been going on in our church. And one of the things that's been going on is we had, um, clear back on Christmas Eve, we had services here and we had our largest Christmas Eve ever in the history of our church by a significant amount of, of people. And it was an amazing time. And then right after Christmas, we got here and the first Sunday back, we had our largest non-Eastern, non-Christmas service ever in the history of our church. And we continue to see God bring people here and, and be excited about what, what, he, what Jesus is doing in them and through them as we've moved through this season. And then it happened again this last Sunday where we had record attendance. And we've been praying and talking about is three services enough um, and as we prepare for Easter and as we've just been kind of praying, we've been feeling like God's saying, you know what, it's time to take another next step. It's time to prepare more room for more people. And so we decided not to just do three Easter services, but we are going to have four Easter services for the first time ever in the history of our church, Saturday night and three on Sunday. And I want you to know this is a big faith muscle that we are stretching, and I can't wait to see what God does on this day. Are you with me on that this morning, church? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we are praying and we are seeking the Lord. We are taking a step of faith and we don't know what this day is going to look like. But I will tell you this in the sense of like how many people are going to be here. We don't know. But here's what I do know. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. And I think that sometimes when we think about um, Easter, uh, for us as Christians, especially we've been in the church for a long time, like it just becomes like another thing, another Sunday, another day. And so I want to ask you this question this morning is, we are five weeks away from Easter, and I want to ask you this. How are you preparing for Easter? Now, if you are, grew up in a Catholic church, like you go, oh, I know, Lent, like Lent. And you're like, I gave up something or I'm giving up something. And that, maybe that lasts for like a week or two weeks, maybe. And then you just go back to whatever it was that you gave up. Maybe you've done the whole Lent thing. You've, done, you've been committed to giving up something. And, and I think that's great. I think there's different ways that we can prepare for Easter. But I just want you to ask the question, like, how are you preparing for Easter this year? Because I think for a lot of you, you go, I, I've never prepared for Easter. That might be an answer. I, 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 I've never. Like it just kind of comes and I get ready for that day. And for some of you, you're very intentional. For some of you, you're half intentional. And I just want to throw this out there to you is what if you were actually intentional about preparing for Easter, this party that we believe in, where really the whole reason why we are here is because Jesus resurrected from the grave. He's alive and we are in existence as a people because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and then resurrected. And so I don't know about you, but if that's the reality, that's why we as, as Christians exist as disciples of followers of Jesus because of what Jesus did for us and he's conquered death. Wouldn't it be wise of us to prepare for this day? It would be wise of us to prepare our minds and our hearts to actually ask the question, what am I actually doing to align myself to Jesus, his purposes, his ways on the day that we come together as Christians and say, this is the day. This is the day that we mark and we say, 
that all of sin has been taken care of. The death no longer exists. The real life is available to you and I because of what he did for us. Therefore, let's align our minds and our hearts and our wills and our souls to the reality that Jesus is alive. So what does it look like to prepare for Easter this year? There's a story I want to tell you that I believe is going to help us just self-reflect. It's a story that's going to help us kind of think. And honestly, this is a story that if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard this story probably multiple times. And honestly, it seems like every couple of years um, I tell this story because it always brings us back to the heart of Jesus. It always brings us back to the things that he cares about. It always brings us back to the party that he's invited us into. It's a story that's found in Luke. Jesus is hanging out with sinners. He's having a meal with them. And the religious people of the day are grumbling, saying he eats with sinners. And Jesus, in the way that he always does, hears them or even is able to perceive their thoughts. And he stops this conversation and he starts to tell three stories. And the last story, he says that there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son came to him and said, Father, I want my inheritance now. And so the father divided the inheritance to the older son, to the younger son. And the younger son received his inheritance and it says that he went off to a distant land. And as he went off into the distant land, he began to squander his inheritance. He began to spend all the money he received from the father. And as he's squandering all the money he received from the father, it says that a famine went across the land and he had nothing to eat, nothing to live on. And so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that land, to a pig farmer. And as he took the, the slop of the pigs and was feeding it to the pigs, he looked at the pods and he longed to eat the pods that he was feeding to the pigs. He was hungry. And it says that he came to his senses and he said, my, my father's servants have plenty to eat. And here I am starving. I'm going to go back to my father and tell him that I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against him. I'm going to beg him to hire me as one of his servants. And so he turns around from the distant land and he begins to walk back. And he's nearing his father's home. And it says that the father is sitting looking out on the landscape and he sees his son coming and it says that he gets up and he starts running towards his son and as he's running towards his son his son says to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you and in the midst of the conversation the father interrupts him and he embraces him he embraces him. And he tells his servants, get sandals for my boy's feet. Give him a ring. Give him a robe and kill the fattened calf. For my son, my son was dead and now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's found. 
And so they go back home and they throw this huge party and there's music and there's dancing and there's food. And in the midst of it, the older brother hears the commotion. Here's the party that's taking place. And he grabs one of the servants and he says to him, what, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening back at home? And the servant says, your, your younger brother has returned home safe and sound. And so your father has, has killed a fattened calf and thrown a party. And the older brother leaves the conversation in anger and refuses to go to the party. Meanwhile, the father hears word that the older brother is not coming. And so he, he leaves the party and he goes and he meets the older brother out in the field that is working. And as they have a conversation, the older brother says to him, Dad, I've never disobeyed you. I've been here the entire time. And this whole time, you've done nothing for me. You've never even killed a goat for me. Yet this son of yours, who squandered his whole inheritance on prostitutes, has come back home. And you've killed a fattened calf for him? The father says, my son, all that I have it's always been yours but your brother he was dead and now he's alive he was lost and now he's found so I want to ask you this Easter as you think about that story I want you to ask yourself this question who are you in the story who do you relate to most in the story some of you might right away think well I, I relate to the prodigal and you relate to the prodigal because maybe of one of two reasons. Number one, you have clearly understood what Jesus has done for you. You are clearly aware of the sin and the brokenness from which God has saved you from. That Jesus came and he invites you into relationship with him and it's his love saving grace that saves you. Nothing of your own accord, but it is the grace that pours out over you that Jesus says, you are my son, you are my daughter and you understand the reality of what Jesus has saved you from. For some of you, you might relate to the prodigal because there might be for the first time in your life, you might be saying, I believe I need to surrender to Jesus. That there's this will that's taking place where you are saying, I, it's, it's no longer I that wants to live, but I want Jesus to live inside of me. And I know that's taking place because I've been having these conversations with people. In fact, this next week, I'm meeting someone who's saying, you know what? I need to be baptized into Jesus for the very first time. And you might be here this morning saying, that's my next step. I'm the prodigal. 
I need to admit that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and that I need to surrender all of my will and all my life to him. And if you're there this morning, I want to tell you, you're in good company. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we come to a place where we come to the end of ourselves and entrust ourselves to Jesus, that's where real life begins. Amen, church? And so if you're there this morning, you're in good company. Because we are a family of people that believe that it is only Jesus who gives life. I can't wait to see what God is going to do over the coming weeks leading up to Easter as we get ready to see a move of God take place. We're already seeing a move of God take place here at Real Life. Some of you may relate to the Father. And you relate to the Father because you have children that you are praying for every single day. You are praying and loving and serving as an act of the Father that is looking out across the land, praying, loving, serving, hoping that your son or daughter, that your granddaughters, your grandsons, would turn around and run to Jesus. And I want to invite you that if you've come this morning and you are a father or mother and maybe you've just given up hope, would you be willing to maybe just hope again this Easter? Would you be willing to say, God, give me hope Hope again in what we just sang, that you are the same God then as you are now. You can do miracles now like you did then. Because I want to tell you, there is a whole lot of people that are attending this church that longed and hoped for their children to come back, and they did. And they are here. And we are seeing for the first time ever in a, I, that I can remember at the mountain that's happening where we have multiple generations of people that are attending Real Life Ministries. Sons, daughters, granddaughters, grandsons, grandma, grandpas, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, where God is redeeming and restoring people back to him. Would you start to have hope again? Would you start to have hope again? For what God could do in you and through you when it comes to however many months, years we have left together. Some of you might relate to the servant. Some of you might relate to the servant. The servant? Why would I relate to the servant? Maybe you've been so busy doing so much stuff, you've forgotten that there's a Like there's a party going on. And Jesus invites us, even the servants, into the party. The Father invites us into the party. And, and you might be saying, oh, Easter's five weeks away already? Yeah, well, already. That's not very much time, right? We've got work to do to get ready. But you might have gotten so distracted that you've forgotten the mission that Jesus actually put us here on. What he's actually inviting us into. And yes, there's things that need to be done. There's tasks that need to take place. But let's not forget the whole point. The whole point is the party. 
The whole point is resurrection. The whole point is life with Jesus, with his people, lifting him up. The work can be put aside for the party. But some of you might be here this morning and you might think, I'm the older brother. And you're there because in your mind, you've done everything right. You have been the faithful one. You've been following Jesus faithfully even through all the hard stuff. You've never wavered. You've never walked away. You've never questioned. You've never doubted. You've always been with Jesus and yet you don't oftentimes experience the same things that the younger brother the other person the sinner gets to experience and if you're there this morning I want you to know I've spent probably close to half my life living as the older brother And I want to tell you, there's life, there's life on the other side. If you're willing to surrender to the reality that Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you, even though you may not have experienced the same blessings that other people have experienced. Maybe you've experienced tremendous pain, even though you've been faithful. The injustice of it caused you to cry out and say, God, where are you? And I want to tell you this morning, friend, Jesus has never left you and he's never forsaken you and he will make all things that are wrong, he will make them right. But what he's asking you to do is to welcome the outsider in. He's inviting you to welcome the outsider in and to recognize that Jesus is for everyone no matter where they've come from no matter where they've done and that yes your pride is no different than their sin who are you in the story I want to ask you a couple other questions as we wrap up this morning and the first one is this are you coming to the party I said, what do you mean? Like, are you just coming to Easter? Or are you coming to the party? Because when you ask those two questions, they kind of paint two different pictures, don't they? Easter becomes like this thing that, oh, we just do Easter again. But it's, it's not, it's, it's a party. <laughs> are you coming? And some of you are gonna answer, no, I'm not coming. And I don't mean that in a like, I'm not coming to Easter. No, I mean it in like in a positive way. I say, how's that, how's that a positive thing? Well, they're not coming to our party. By the way, there's gonna be parties all across the Treasure Valley, churches that are throwing parties, right? And we praise God for that. But it was so encouraging to me this week as I asked my men's group this question, how are you preparing for Easter? And one of those people was Shane. 
who said, I'm not coming to Easter at Real Life this year? I said, what's going on? He goes, well, as you know, I haven't spoken to my father for 15 years. And this last Christmas Eve, he sent a gift to his father to try and reconcile. And in the midst of doing that, he found out that his father is very sick and is going on hospice. And because of the guilt and shame I believe that his father has about the relationship, has chosen not to engage with Shane relationally. And what Shane is choosing to do is to pray for his father and has chosen to now redirect his attention towards his mother who doesn't know Jesus and has chosen to drive up to North Idaho to spend time with his mom on Easter weekend and to tell her, we're going to church on Easter Sunday and you're coming with me. And she reluctantly has agreed. So Shane's not coming to our party. He's going to another party. It's actually the, all the same party. How are you entering into Easter this year? How are you preparing? Another man in our home group, in our men's group, excuse me, says, my mom and dad are moving here and I don't think they've ever been to a church service before. but I'm gonna invite him to Easter. How are you entering into the party? How are you preparing for Easter? And are you living in a posture of what could God do in me this Easter? And what could he do in others? As we get ready for communion, that's just what I want you to have a conversation with Jesus about this morning. And as you pray about some of these key things, I just want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And some of you may already know the answer. Some of you may already know the next step. I just want to encourage you, whatever it is, step into it. If you want to take communion this morning, you didn't grab the elements as you came in. Liz and Kim would be more than willing to bless you with the elements. If you just want to raise your hand, I'll give you a piece of bread and a cup of juice as you spend time with Jesus this morning. Let's get ready for communion.